And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Hey, David, we can fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> did you press start yet? I did. I pressed start. I do have a note that I wrote down at like three in the morning because I was so angry and I was so frustrated and so just, you know, just so us, you know, I was so us just feeling that angst. As you said in a text today, you know, I'm feeling really fiery today. I'm feeling spicy. Um, spicy. Spicy like meatball is what's going to happen right now. What I want to talk about is, yeah, my Italian. I'm going to do my Italian. Um, I want to talk about rejection and the final straw with therapists. It's a really intense subject, but I think that I need to do like a quick like backstory on all this. Long story short, I'm looking for a new therapist. And not because I don't like my old therapist. My other therapist, and I use this in quotes, has actually been my psychiatrist, who's been fabulous. Like, fabulous, sticking with her. Like, we're not going anywhere. We're best friends. But there have been some changes in my life where I wanted to try something different, something new. In your, your terms, I wanted to spice things up. So... I, you know, here I am, I host this podcast. I, I, you know, have these great, you know, resources. I have been so lucky to be sponsored by BetterHelp and been sponsored by Frame Therapy, you know, all these great, you know, outlets. So you'd think like, oh my God, Allison is the easiest time to find a specific type of person, right? <laughs> she does not, okay? She does not. She is having a real rough time. I got recommended this person um, who is a licensed therapist, who is the creme de la creme, the like, you know, she, she, she of Beverly Hills, darling. Like, and I was like, let's do this. This is, let's try this. I'm, I'm willing to put that money out there because I'm kind of in a weird place in my life and, and I need that help, you know? And when, when you really need that help, you have to really think, I know I may not be able to afford this, but I'm going to go for this. David Hardy, it took me, three and a half weeks to finally get on the phone call with this person, okay? But that's not where the frustration comes in. The frustration comes in when we had to schedule an appointment to chat for a consultation, just a 10-minute consultation to see what what I may need in this situation and what she can bring, or what, what they can bring to me. Um, and... It was a text message excuse, you know, of why why they couldn't show up. Um, then I had another thing thinking, oh, my God, don't even worry about it. Reached out again. Um, just kept putting myself out there. You know, I felt like that scene in Sex and the City where where Charlotte goes to the rabbi multiple this times. This reference dates me. Oh, this reference dates you, but it's like a <laughs> reference where Charlotte would go to the rabbi because she wanted to convert to Judaism like so badly. She was like, I'm going to do this. And and she got the door slammed in her face the first time by the rabbi. She She's like, I give up. And they go, no, 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 that's what the rabbi does. Like, you just have to keep coming back. So for me, I was like, oh, maybe this is a test from the therapist to see how how committed I am, how much I want to be part of this. Kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. 
Then there was an emergency, you know, a, a dental emergency. Then there was all these things. Finally getting on the phone. And the answer was very like, yeah, and what do you what what do you want? And what what are you calling for? And, you know, not for nothing. Came very highly recommended from from great people that I respect and love and vice versa. So it's not like this was some random person that I that I had never heard of before and I didn't know any backstory of. It's not like they didn't know backstory for me at all. Like I came highly recommended as a client. I showed up. I was doing the work. My point is, I hung up the phone. Not only did I never hear from that therapist ever again, because they told me they were going to text me and let me know their schedule, that they were very busy and they would try to squeeze me in and asking me how flexible I am. And I go, well, I'm currently out of work and I host a podcast at home. So yes, I'm very flexible to meet you. I never heard back ever again from this person. And when I tell you my phone call, while it's not their responsibility to be like, oh my gosh, this is a dire situation. My situation was like, I'm having a really hard time and I'm living with this disorder and this illness. And, you know, I work with a psychiatrist as well, but I really need someone to talk to, maybe specialize in some sort of EMDR or whatever it's called, you know, stuff like this. Never heard back. I hung up that phone. I was hysterically crying and I just went into Sturgis's office and I was just like, I give up. And that was all I said. And he said, why? I said, I give up because I tried for three and a half weeks to really work on my mental health and be the best version of myself that I possibly could be. And this person made me feel like I was an idiot, made me feel like I was a reject, made me feel like my, my you know, bipolar disorder diagnosis was irrelevant. And I, I just couldn't believe that... That was the experience that I had for the first time of trying to find someone new. So my point is, A, have you been there? And B, I just want to sympathize with every single person that's out there because I know that the struggle is fucking real. I step off my soapbox. I mean, we shouldn't laugh, but... I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. I'm laughing because I'm just like, (laughs) how did this happen? (laughs) So, yeah, I've been there. Uh Uh-huh. Long story short, right? The first, second therapist I saw. Well, first of all, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. Let's unpack it all. But uh, my first foray into therapy Uh was a recommendation from my like family practitioner, like suburbs of Chicago. Grew up like my mom, my dad, my sister, my cousins. They all go to the same family doctor, right? Like. My case file is like this big. Playing things with my hands on an audio only format. David's doing about, I don't know, what would you call this? About two inches thick. (laughs) The vanilla folder, when you walk into your doctor's office and like the like thing behind the counter and they like pull out the big old file with all your health records because (laughs) electronic health records just don't make sense in this country. There's another funding pitch for people who are listening. I mean, like, I'm like, what? 17, 18, baby, I'm in college. baby, David, baby, baby, yeah. not doing great, doing a shit ton of drugs, drinking a lot, come home for like Thanksgiving, like do my yearly physical. And like at the very end, he's like, do you want to talk about anything else? Do you have any questions with the doctor? Right. I was like, yeah, I want to 
hurt myself. <laughs> that wow. I don't know what to do like, and, and you said it that simply, like, yeah. like I want to hurt myself. Yeah. And like, he was like, oh, well, like, granted, I am in college. Right. Four right. to five hours away from this doctor's office. Sure. He goes, let me give you a recommendation for the lady in the next town over. Okay. I'm going back to school on Monday. But I think he tried. Like, Great. Right? We'll give Helpful. him. We'll Whatever. Give him, right? Yeah, he tried. So, and, like, A, never saw that. to be person. fair, could have been the only resource that he knew. Knew of. Yes. So, okay. like, there's the first problem. Sure. Like, lack of resources. Lack of recommendations. Lack of resources and, right. like, lack of recommendation. Because people just don't know. Right. And, I mean, this was many years ago now. But, I mean, I'm old, but I ain't that old. You're not that old. So, like, I mean, and I'm not trying to bash this guy. No. But, like, unfortunately, the current status is the majority of let's call them licensed physicians nurse practitioners like psychiatrists like somebody that you would go to seek services like from in the medical community uh -huh. it usually comes from a family doctor a generalist like a hospitalist uh -huh. or like some other specialist that you see that then gives you a recommendation right so like the majority of people have had the same experience that i have had mm -hmm. like and that's how they interact with right. the mental health world and that's their the, start to kind of yes. their introduction to the mental the, health world the entry into it is like a miserable hazing process Right. That like you get no answers, nobody takes you seriously, and if you do get resources, they're generally unavailable, don't really fit where you are in life, and are just sort of like a one size fits all thing that like just right. don't make any sense. Right. So we never saw that person. We the collective we is me. Um, then I went back to school. Didn't see a therapist for like another year and a half. Just like continued to self-medicate through Oof. drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, had some further follow-up visits with like. And in this time, were you like, still feeling the 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 like I don't want to feel anymore. Like I don't want to. Oh yeah, I mean like trigger warning. I tried to kill myself twice in college. So like. No, no, no. But I'm saying in this interval, right? In like in that interval, interval like right. things right. did not get better. Right. It's not like you were like, oh, I'm feeling like really hot. I'm feeling great. Like no, this no, is no, awesome. No, yeah, no, no. Right. Things were not good. And then like it finally got bad enough where like. I still had not seen a psychiatrist. I was like self-medicating, like avoiding the world of therapy. The best and, thing like, to do, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw another therapist who like, I finally started seeing probably once a month, like towards the end of college, beginning of grad school. Okay. I got what I could take. They were training. So like they were at a, at like at a, a, office setting that like uh -huh. where they like worked in groups and they were one of the people who were like in grad school on their way to getting their licensure to like get your psych d or like whatever the like credential that right you can get a psych d you can get a phd there's like a bunch of other different licensures to be like a licensed therapist like she was on one of those tracks i had seen her for 11 months and i walked into her office one day and she called me the wrong fucking name oh my god and not for nothing, you have a pretty basic bitch name. Like, David is, like, pretty basic. It's not like we're talking about, like, your name was, we're like... We're Bible names here. 
you know Divendido what I mean? Like, it's not hard. Daddario Dacia. <laughs> like, he... <laughs> And like wow. not to terrorize this woman, like who was like in a training environment, like was probably overworked, like all of these things. So like there's the sure. but just like we're human. We're human. Yeah, to answer your rejection question, like I show up early twenties, David, and like crying twice a month in this woman's office for 90 minutes like at the absolute rock bottom, like don't want to do this with like dread getting up in the morning to go see my therapist yeah. did not want to talk about anything. Yeah. But like, I put my big boy pants on and was like, I'm going to do this because I know one day it'll get better. And like, you finally make it to that woman's office and you like sit down and try and have a conversation with like, that person about how you're feeling and she gets your fucking name wrong. I mean, I, I can't so even like, imagine Yeah, that that moment of rejection was like, Oh, wow. It's like this. Yeah. Yeah. So I continue to see her for probably another couple months. <laughs> Still in. I mean, and you have to, but I mean, like, like I, I'm like, I laugh. Saying, I made the back of the napkin calculation that I was like, I think it was good in the sense that like, it was a very dark time. I've like blacked out a lot of that. Sure. It's like an unhealthy coping mechanism. We can talk about that later, but right, like, right. whatever. <laughs> Okay, I, don't I think half that of that experience <laughs> of going to therapy, I didn't learn anything in therapy mm -hmm. there. Like I really struggled to make any sort of breakthroughs, right. but like, I think that like the repetition of like going there, talking about my feelings, like just like getting in a pattern. Yeah. Like I didn't really, I wasn't like making any progress yet, but I was like, doing the things that would like set me in a rhythm for like when I found a good therapist that would like help me start to make progress. Right. Right. So I think that the next point that I want to make about your story is like, and generally speaking, yeah, a lot of people really struggle to find somebody. And then when they do find somebody, they go there for like three or four sessions and they're like, this isn't the fucking person for me. And then they quit. Which is the worst thing you could do. Why though, if you don't feel like Because you're like even if you're not you just gotta keep going. I mean, like I think that there's like an immense value to like you know, like I'm not saying that this is your therapist for life. No. But I think there's an like an immense value of like having the conversation with yourself or like finding yourself in the position sort of that you're in right now. Mm -hmm. Where you're like, I'm searching for care. Yeah. This is very difficult. I'm juggling not only my emotions, but now the emotions of a licensed professional. Yeah. And you've got to figure it out. And no one's going to help you. But like it's having that tenacity to keep going. Right. To be like, this isn't a reflection of therapy. It's the reflection of the therapist that I'm with. But couldn't like many you argue people will that have a bad interaction and then never go to a therapist ever again and just paint every therapist with a broad brush stroke. And I completely agree with you on that, where it's like you cannot it, it's everyone is a human being. Everyone is different. But I mean, mm -hmm. wouldn't you say now, listen, 
the person never wrote me back, so I'm not going to that person. They obviously don't want oh, yeah, to, to talk to me. Like, I did something to offend them, and I don't know what it was. No, but you didn't do anything to offend them. Well, I don't know, David. I mean, Look, I don't I know mean, if I did anything you, to offend them, but I would like to know. Let's just skip to the part where we do the fun thing, where I'm like, I've helped a lot of people yeah. get into therapy. I've helped family, friends who are parents who have children who need to get their children into therapy. Yeah. I helped somebody get in, highly recommended. Therapist is unreal in a large American city. The intake exam for their 14-year-old, $10,000, no questions asked. I'm sorry, what? That's what it costs for their kid to go to therapy? Intake, just the intake exam. What does that even mean? To see like what's wrong with the kid? Like that's what an intake is? To figure is? out if that therapist could get that child in their rotation to do monthly therapy. That was the upfront cost. Wow. And I mean, it's, it's good old capitalism at the end of the day. Sure. It's market supply and demand. Sure. There are not a lot of good therapists out there, especially for specialty cases. Well, and that, so that's what I wanted to talk to you about. So what, what I, what I realized is, was maybe I shouldn't have asked who was the best in quote, out of quote, therapist in town. I think that what I should have done what has do been super do? specific. How do you answer that question? How do I answer what, what is the best? Well, I don't know what like the best I, is. It's the best is whatever's best for you. And that's why it's like dating and you have to go on a couple dates, you know, first dates to see if you're really into someone. But the light at the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel is what I realized in that form of rejection and that person not calling me back dismissing me, um, being very rude on the phone to me, making me cry, doing all this stuff, you know, and me, maybe it's not even fair for me to say that they made me cry. I internally took it as a personal attack and I cried because I'm in a vulnerable state in my life. But yeah, the light at the end of the tunnel is I have now taken action to ask people around me, hey, this is what I need specifically, yeah, I need a therapist who can talk to me who also specializes in bipolar one disorder because there have been a lot of therapists in my past. There have been a lot of therapists, you know, in families past where when they want to have this conversation about someone who lives with bipolar disorder, they don't know how to specifically deal with that. So they give wrong information. And not out of like their own like fault, but they're like, oh, you should do A, B, and C. And I'm like, that's the worst thing you should do with someone who's bipolar. So the best part was, yeah. is I put myself out there and I started asking people, hey, do you know anyone that specifically works with someone who's bipolar? And someone did. And a friend of mine said, I actually think I have someone for you. Here's their number. Give them a call. I literally gave them a call. In 30 minutes, they returned my phone call. And they said, hey, how about a consultation tomorrow? And I literally got on that consultation. And it was like, I, I got this overwhelming feeling of like, wow, synchronicity really does exist. Like we really, when you put the work in, things do come to full circle. Yeah. And this only happened to me two days ago. So this is a very new thing. This was even before, you know, everything went down. And 
I was like, wow, it was meant to be. And I had a conversation with that therapist where I actually felt for the first time in my life, I was heard. I guess that's my like Mr. Rogers moment. It is interesting that my therapist specializes in women's inequality, CBT, which her PhD is in. Just like, but it works. Not as a counterpoint, but just like, I think that you should see somebody who comes highly recommended. Like, to me, there are people who like cross some threshold of like, they have the skills to like be a good therapist. And once you get past that threshold, right, right. it's all about personality fit. Yeah, it's dating. It really is dating. Like you've got to know somebody, you've got to like vet the people to know that they have the skills to like be a good therapist. Right. But after that, it's entirely who you vibe with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's who you vibe with. Like. No questions asked. I'm having such like, an odd couple right now with my therapist and I, but I'm just like, it works. It works. And how long have you been at your specific oh, yeah, therapist? Now like two form? years. Like we're, we're bound at the hip. Now here's a question for you. Do you ever feel like you get to a point where you're so comfortable with your therapist that you don't even think that it's like in quote out of quote working? Oh yeah. So about a couple of months ago, oof, maybe like six months ago, I had like gotten to that point where I was like, I don't know what to talk about. Like I'd show up to therapy and I'd be like, I like things are going well. And she like, let me have that for a couple times in a row. And then like the third or fourth time that I showed up where I was like, things are going well. She was like, okay, now we're going to go a layer deeper. And like took out her case notes right. from all the conversations that we've had from the last year. <gasps> and was just like, we're going to start here. And just like poked a hole and blew up the balloon. And just like things that I didn't know that I was still struggling with. Like, wow. just like, and I think that's the mark of a good therapist. Like right, she was right. like, it's we've kind of like, talked right. about these things. You're in a better spot now. Like, do you want to right. go deeper? She's like, if you want to stop wanna, here. Do you want to learn? Yeah. She's like, yeah. if you want to stop here, we can stop here. Like, you don't need to do this. But if you want to do this, like, I have the skill to help you do it. And I think that is what everybody needs to find. Like, there are the things that are like yeah. visceral on your day to day. Like, we need to work through this. Like, this yeah. is why I'm showing up to therapy. You know, like nobody shows up to therapy being like, my life is great. Like, there's nothing that yeah. bothers me on a daily basis. Like, but like, right. you right. see a therapist, you start to work through the things that you initially show up for. And like, in the process, they pick up on uh -huh. the other hints. And then when you sort of like get to a good space, I think it is like the job of a good therapist to be like, okay, these are the other things that I've noticed. Like, are you ready to now address this? Right. Right. And I think like that now let's was, have this conversation. Yeah. So I think that is like a good sign of like, you're going to hit a plateau where you're going to be like, I'm feeling better. Uh, I don't know what yeah. else to talk about. Like, and I don't need just friends. But, Everything's fixed. Like, thank you so much. Like, I'm going to wash my hands and leave. And like, I think the mark yeah. of a good therapist who knows what they're doing is like, you can walk away. Like, I'm not going to stop you from doing it, but yeah, like, can you go one level deeper? Because it's there. Like I got a See, lot of trauma that. to go through. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but well, I could have tapped out ask, and been like, "So, no, I don't want to do this." Right and right and be like, "I'm no, I'm good. Yeah. Like I feel great. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just gonna stay here." But now this therapist that you're going to, since she specializes in cognitive behavior mm -hmm. therapy, mm -hmm. 
do you do the like kind of the EMDR, ED, e, what is it? EMDR. EMDR? Why do I, David, you think at some point I would know. For the viewers, what does EMDR stand for? <laughs> what does it stand for? Actually, I, I, I mean, I've talked about it so many EMDR. times. EMDR, now I got to Google it, hold on. Electric magnetic. But, yeah, because it's, it's. Do you like that I made that up? Yeah, it's not electromagnetic. Eye movement desensitization I, and reprocessing. Right. So like the famous yes, EMDR is like there was a hockey player who was like having really bad mental health problems and like had a few concussions, like was in the NHL. He did like six months of EMDR and just like did like you, you do like eye movements and like tracking. It's, like, it's like over right, right. exercises repeatedly over and over again. Claims it like cured his life. And I'm like, there are some people that just like EMDR like from just every works and it's wow. crazy. But I tried EMDR. Right. No, have you ever tried it? Yeah, I tried it? EMDR. Um, I like I do CBT. I do a lot of CBT. Uh-huh. I do a lot of DBT, dialectical. And for those that know, that's cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. therapy. So what does that consist cognitive of? Cognitive behavioral therapy is for layman's terms, is like you're addressing the things that like come to you and holding them and like using like cognition the idea of thinking about them like working through them with somebody else like you know how does that make you feel what would you do differently it's like slowing down the thoughts that show up in your your head basically and like working through them with somebody else right i do a lot of dialectical because you and i our thoughts come at a million miles a minute yeah and it's like for people who like catastrophize like and that's where I sort of started. Oh, okay. Like the idea of like, you right. know, like I got an F on this. It's the end of the world. Know, I got an F on this paper and I'm in college or I'm in med school. And that means that I'm going to fail med school. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to end up living on the streets and no one will love me anymore. Like CBT is really good right. at like, what does that F mean? Where are you? Why are you catastrophizing? Like slowing those thoughts down and like learning to be more present. So right. that like CBT plus like, like your gold standard of like drugs, like anti, not antipsychotics. What am I looking for? Words that I'm looking for: Prozac, etc. <laughs> right. Antidepressants. Right. Okay. Those SSRIs and SS- yes. SNRIs. Like that plus CBT is the gold standard of care, like across the board. So that's like your most common approach. That's what most therapists are trained in. DBT is dialectical behavior therapy, and that's a little bit more. What's that? Like your therapist, I like to explain to people as it's CBT, but your therapist gets to be mean to you. What? What do you mean they get to be mean so to like, you? I would not be thing. able to handle that. So yeah, but like, this is the thing, like CBT, like well-trained therapists will not, I mean, they'll, they'll pressure you if you're like a CBT, okay. like let's come up with like some nonsensical situation. Um, like, but back to your F on your paper, you know, like I, I did really bad on this thing okay. and, and right. I failed. And I'm a loser. Like, at no point right. where your therapist be like, no, you are not a loser in the CBT. Like, they won't come out and say the thing. Like, they'll help you walk there. But they're not going to, like, actually okay. prod you and be like, what you're thinking is wrong. Okay. So they let you think that no, you're a loser? No, but, like, they, you, they ask questions <laughs> and they probe. They want you to discover on yes, your own Yes, it's like a process of a discovery. Loser. And, like, it, doing gotcha. the work allows you to realize, like, oh, this is just a temporary acute thing. Like, if I work on this and right. I study more and I take care of myself and I eat better and I'm better with my time, then these things that I don't want to happen won't happen right. anymore. 
Right. DBT gets into the little worlds of like, there's some challenges associated with this. Like, like what kind of challenges? So like, like, I, like therapists have been in trouble because no, of it. No, but like, so like, it's 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 widely touted as harder, and like people that do DBT like have much higher disengagement rates. Like they stop coming back. Like they'll stop treatment. They're just like they aren't ready for it yet. So like, oh wow, a thing that you'll also find in CBT is like we'll just go to childhood and family trauma because it's just the easy example. Like. I had a, I had a traumatic experience growing up and I hate my parents and in CBT, no one will ever place blame. Like it's the process of you working through it. Like, yes, your parents might have made mistakes. Like, yes, your, you might have made mistakes. Like we're going to work through this, but like the, the focus is on the person who's across from the therapist. And like, we're working through those processes and those problems with that person. In DBT, we can draw some conclusions. Like. If you like, were like, oh, you know, like my, you know, I had this trauma, I had this big life thing and I like left my parents and never talked to them and like ran away. Like you kind of got to own up to the fact that like you were valid in leaving, but your leaving also had consequences that now you have to deal with. Like you can't just put your head in the sand. So like there's this sort of idea behind it where like you can sort of go a little bit further than CBT and be like. Right. We're going to work through this. We're going to like, we're not going to place blame, but we're also going to sort of acknowledge that like your actions, even if you're taking them for you to like have your best health, have ramifications and like the right. reality in which you live in. Like it, there, there's like, a, gotcha. things are not just beyond your control. So I think that there's like, right. A, right, right, right. it's difficult to be like, I feel bad. I want everything to be focused about me and making me feel better, but then realizing when you do those things to make you feel better, that they also have like second order and third order effects on like people around you that you have to be responsible for. Totally. So it's much harder to like sit in a therapist chair and like in an office and like have a conversation about yourself and your family and be like, you know, like I want to do this. And then like have that person look across from you and be like, yeah, like I know you want to do that, but like you've got to own up to the fact that there will be consequences associated with right. that. And you're like, you have to admit, admit yeah. the problem. And you're like, right. oh, wait a minute. Like I thought you were on my team. <laughs> so that's why that one's harder is because it's really about owning up to your own shit. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's a much more, I would say, like emotionally intense process. Cause like you find those things that are like the things you need to work on. And like, you know, you sit there and you're not like, crying because you're like, whoa, it was me, but you're like processing trauma in real time while you're like trying to like work on the solution. Do you ever get embarrassed crying in therapy? No, I cry all the time in therapy. It actually feels really good afterwards. In the moment, I'm like, I'm a sissy and I'm like, why am I doing this? But I'm also like, you know, like, oh my God, it's not like you're very sensitive. I'm a huge sissy. Just ask Annie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, like, it's not like I'm like crying because like, I like, you know, like didn't get what I wanted for like a snap. No, yeah, it's no, like, no. It's, it's processing trauma. It's like stuff that matters. So it's like kind of hard to sort of yeah. like cool. Of course. But yeah, so we've gone on a no, real. No, of course. And then, so, okay, wait. So then what's CMDR? CMDR. It's like a, a, a tool. So there's now the world of like tool building. Where like you can do right. specific tasks that 
aim to reset or recenter your mind around specific thoughts or events. So like EMDR falls yeah. into like the same category as like doing a hard EMDR sort of like is on an island to me in like the modern world, but like do you do you think that it like obviously it works like listen at the end of the day anything works for anyone but, yeah, but like the idea of like going out and doing a cleanse or something like that that's like focused on like resetting right. like these sorts of things like EMDR is a little bit more like based in like we're doing eye tracking stuff it like resets your visual field like there's like brain changes that happen but but it's interesting to me that you wouldn't think that that was like an amazing thing because it seems so scientific and so like by the books of of less in the head more about the the actual physicality of doing things to like train the brain to be different. yeah but i mean like i think that cbt and dbt like also retrain the brain to be different like it's not just right. walking just and doing things. it's just like a different way of so like i don't know right. i mean like yeah it might be a little bit controversial but i'm like i also think that like you know if you do cbt and don't take any like antidepressants and like you really do cbt yeah. and like you really commit to it and like you work through the stuff like and you do it for a year or so yeah like random control trial like double blinded like clinical trial assessment like it's just as good as taking drugs isn't that just so wild i mean it's like the power of your own brain so i'm like i don't think that it's like confusing why other things also work that focus on like meditation and like you know i mean we're both big tm people you know therapy like yeah so i'm like if you i'm a big tm person like if you like do tm for a year and like work on your stress and anxiety and then like you take a clinical screener before you did that and after you did it like it'd be very clear that tm works to treat anxiety and depression in the same way that drugs do i really wish that i would have scanned my brain um before i started tm and after and even recently because i found myself um kind of rechecking yeah. in with my my teacher um for tm for transcendental meditation because I, I had kind of just lost, you know, I had honestly lost the the urge to heal myself in any form. I had just been exhausted and drained and I just yeah. didn't, I didn't feel like going on. And then I noticed that's why I was sluggish. That's why I was feeling depressed. That's why, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as like suicidal ideations yeah, but... by any means. But, but that, but that darkness that, that revolves around, the bipolar mania, like I felt that kicking yeah. in that I hadn't felt in a really long time. And so I had, you know, to reach out to my old teacher and say, hey, can we do like a refresher course on on my mantra, on everything? And I'm telling you since doing that just a few, few weeks ago, actually, to be honest, like it's a game changer. I feel reconnected with my body. People love to bash TM. Like they love to be like, this is like woo woo crazy shit. And I'm like, mm. yeah, I love the more woo woo, the more crazy, <laughs> the more I want to be part of it. Like that is the vibe that I'm going for in my life yeah, but I is mean, like, I want to be the queen of woo woo and crazy. But it kind of works, man. Like it really does. Like it's such no, a it weird kind of work. It scientifically works. Yeah, but it's like such a weird, like 
I am literally coming live from you from like a government funded research building where it's like we make cures and white lab coats and like you take drugs and like we fix the world and I'm like yeah TM works like everybody should do TM like you might not be ready to do TM but but like you may not be ready and I wasn't ready for a while but like I just hate that like we can't get to the place where we're like oh yeah like this is an actual medical treatment like yeah, but I mean, hopefully, well, maybe like me flying well, to Mexico and doing like ayahuasca at huts is not medicine yet, which like is probably a good thing. But like, if you're somebody, that's probably a good thing. That's probably a little far. But 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 to each its own. You know what I mean? You do what you do, boo. Like you go for it. And I think that that's you know something that we have to all be accepting of. I have a lot of people in my life that are very judgmental of me and very judgmental of the fact that I, you know, practice transcendental meditation, that I believe in, you know, the the natural homeopathic medicine and like, you know, all my like woo-woo stuff that comes along with it. And I'll tell you, I get a lot of judgment from people, but at the end of the day, I just choose to not care or not listen because guess what? It's working for me. I mean, it's working like, for whatever you. Whatever I'm doing, I love to remind to these people. So why too. wouldn't I do that? Like, you love to remind them how good you're doing. Well, it's just like I like to remind them how good they're doing, and just like you can't pick and choose. Like people are like, "This is nonsense." Like no. homeopathy is like a, a sham, and I'm like, "Well, right." Like. The treatment for ADD and ADHD is, by definition, a homeopathic remedy. Like, like we're, and there you go. We're giving people who are overstimulated stimulants, and two positives calms them down, which is the definition yeah. of homeopathic treatments. But like, because it's made, you're like, oops, because it's made by a major pharmaceutical company. Like, they're like, oh, this must be real. Like, but that's, but that's the thing. It's misinformation. And I think that people just, no one knows anything. And we Live don't really brand, listen. We don't Live choose your to brand. listen. <laughs> Live your brand. Listen, people can judge me all they want, but at the end of the day, I'm doing the work and I am, you know, not taking this rejection no more from anyone. Oh, and I am just going to keep on, keep it on and keep on being my badass uh, self. And you should keep on being your badass we've self. We've spiraled out of control from let's let's take it back i i think it's really david i spiraled no, 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 a long no, no, time yeah, ago I mean, same it's the blind leading the blind over here but um <laughs> i mean i think it's like like your 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 story is like not to diminish your story but your story is very common like of not being able to oh, find I know, a therapist. But that's my whole point. Like it's very I don't, common. Right. And I think that like from somebody who, there are great articles in the New York Times. It's a book review of the old director of the National Institute of Mental Health. Not the current guy, the guy before. Okay. Was there until like 2014, 2015. Don't quiz me on the date. Left the Institute, went and worked for Google for a couple of years. That didn't work out went to some other nonprofit venture capital firm that didn't work out. And now he's like, I'm going to write a book about my tenure as the nation psychiatrist. And like the second paragraph. Huh. Okay. I mean, like the second paragraph is basically like in his tenure as the director 
of the National Institute of Mental Health, where all of your public tax dollars go for research. I think he had like right. he had discretion over twenty billion dollars in funds. He like got to decide what we were going to research what? and what we weren't going to research over his entire career. Like if you add up all the money of all the grants that he had direction in giving out, it's like twenty billion, close <sighs> to that number. And then the next sentence is like, I screwed the whole thing up. What? Early 2000s, we were spending boatloads of cash to sequence the human genome. We thought that like once we had the genetic code to humans that we'd be able to cure all the diseases. So like we poured a bunch of money into studying what was called neurogenetics. Like how the neurons in your head, like what do their genetic profiles look like? We can target that and fix all brain diseases. It didn't work out, but we poured $20 billion into this. We learned a lot of cool things. Billion with a B. B. We learned a lot of cool stuff along the way, but like I would argue we're living in a world where the last 30 years of neuroscience research has taught us a lot about how brains work. But none of that knowledge mm. has actually translated into treating patients yet, which is why wow. I get to sit in this chair and do neuroscience research all day, but like also like do the woo-woo stuff. Like it's such a juxtaposition right. for some people, but like for me, I'm right. like, oh no, right. I see it. Like I live it every day. Like I spend millions of grant dollars every year to do research, to learn more about the brain, but nothing has like gone from this building out into the public yet that helps you get better therapy. Like there is a complete right. disconnect and we're working to fix it, but now you've got the guy. And what do you think can change? Like what can, what can be the connection? Well, I mean, we've got to build, we've got to build better drugs. It's just like at the end of the day, if I'm having this conversation with you, about cancer yeah. in the 40s and we're talking about not how we build better therapy but like how do we build better cancer drugs like there has been an exponential number an increase in how we treat cancer it's gone from cancer to now like there's 15 types of different blood cancer because the genetic markers are different or that different cell has some different mutation like we've got to have the same tact and skill to go that approach, like personalized medicine, precision medicine, like these like fancy terms that you'll hear thrown out. And that's gotta translate into therapy somehow. And like, mm. that's what we should be focusing on. Like there should be people doing basic research like us, but like, that's not what the whole right. budget should go to. Like we've gotta spend right. time and money figuring out how to make better therapy and therapists and all this more accessible because like what I'm doing in here when it doesn't get translated out like I feel responsible as a researcher for the bad interaction that you had with that therapy like trying to get an intake with that therapist right. like right she's a person right. but she's also a licensed clinician no clinician right. should be acting like that but they have to act like that because they're so yeah. overworked they don't know what to do they don't have access to the resources that they need every good therapist essentially doesn't take insurance because they can make more money in the private sector like we've had a yeah. complete breakdown of like research to treatment pipeline we've had a complete breakdown in therapy and funding that through insurance you now have people 
identifying branding themselves as therapists for specific types of people client populations that are inherently white from the midwest we have therapists that focus on people that are public figures that have to do a lot of public speaking that are you know like like we have so many subdivisions of like not fake specialties but just like it's turned cultural in the sense that like you would never show up to a hospital and be like i have strep throat but i'm an influencer so i must get a different kind of doctor and like that's wow, what a great analogy like, that's where we you. are yeah, right now you're like i have a, a, right. a mental disorder but like the kind of treatment that you seek for that mental disorder gets filtered through what kind of workplace you operate in and then like what your brand right. is on the internet and it's just like so just, just fucking stupid to me insanity. in so many ways. Yeah. But like, this is the world yeah. that's been allowed to be created because the people like me haven't come up with Ugh. a better solution yet. It's not their fault. Well, it's my David, fault. Come up with a better solution. I'm trying, but it's like, it's not easy. And it's hard to play the research game when the cards are stacked against you because all the money's flowing in the wrong direction. And then the person yeah. in charge gets to stand up and write a book for a book deal with, you know, Random House and then gets a, you know, third page right. New York Times book review on it. And gets to like right. wash his right. hands of all of the, like, people should be furious. But I think that the we, thing is, is yes, people should be furious, but people don't even know. That's the thing. Here I am, I'm, I'm living know. with a disorder. People, I I live, I live this. I don't even know. I didn't know. I think the most mind-blowing thing from the last two years is like you see people who are vehemently anti-vax to this day still they've likely in the grand scheme of any medical development that's ever been brought from research laboratory into treating patients like the sequence for the moderna protein that's in the vaccine is published on the internet for free you can go download it right now and put it on your computer and understand what's in it you cannot do that for any right. other drug on the market. This has been like the most public facing, accessible amount of information that we've ever had around any sort of biological treatment. But what if you don't know what that information is? No, I understand. Is? I understand that. Problem. But like the the backlash that you've seen against right. that approach is so resounding. Could you imagine if people understood what was going on in the research enterprises that I operate in that like we are like I'm not trying no. to be like a crazy conspiracy theorist no. right now but just like there's no access you don't know where the money is flowing you don't know what the priorities are for where that money is flowing you're putting your faith in a government like, institution that's directed by a series of old white men like everything yeah. that people are mad about right now in the entire world is like a microcosm of what neuroscience research looks like to some degree. The director of psychiatry for Columbia University in New York had to step down from his job because he tweeted a photo of a woman from Sudan and said, look at this freak of nature. What? You've got people at the highest levels in this institutional spectrum. Oh my God, I don't know anything. Like there are, the amount of nonsense, money spent, misdirection, schemes, left and right. So what is something that, that, that 
as an outsider. Blow it all up. Blow it all up. Start over. Protest. Yeah, but how? But I'm saying, <laughs> how does someone like me do something? Like to you gotta demand. That? Like this is the thing. Like I feel like it's demanding to know where the money. You gotta going, demand where the where taxpayers' the money's are going. going, and you gotta demand to see the results. You might not be able to understand the papers that I publish, but right. you should be able to freely access access them. Like the, your tax dollars go to the government, which then come to me and I do research here and you should be able to go online and not have to pay to see those, those research dollars. And it might not right. be you, but right. people can go and do that and start to realize like, oh, this is what we're spending money on. Right, right. This is what it is. Like, I'm like, it is just mind blowing to me that like, this is the thing that we're getting upset about when like there are clearly yeah. offenses that are much but the thing is, is the reason why people are getting upset is because they don't know that there are other offenses. Well, that's out true. There. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like if that was the case, there would be so many other issues yeah. going on. I mean, but people only we have only so much can be upset about what I know, we know. But it's like I, I just wish that we could get to a collective understanding that it's not that you've been lied to. It's not that you're currently being like bamboozled. Like no one's, but no. like. But things are being mis mis are being withheld from and us. being mismanaged like at the highest levels. Right. And there are good right. people exactly. in the systems that are trying to fix it. But yep. if we don't get public support, like if the people in the system trying to fix it don't get support from the outside to like apply upward pressure, right. then nothing changes. So David, call, call to, to action, action right now for everyone who's listening right now. What can someone, but in, in truth, truthfully, like in all seriousness, what is someone who is listening right now, what can we do to bring some sort of call to action? I think that at the end of the day, the biggest call to action that you can make is like a person outside the enterprise is to continue to just demand better. Like if you require like, you've got to make your story about your interaction with attempting to seek mental health care like the most public thing that okay. you can make and it might be uncomfortable but like this idea uh -huh. like stigma serves two functions in my brain especially around mental health like a to keep people from talking about it and getting treatment but b to also reinforce the status quo people aren't talking about mental health, it also means that they're not talking about their bad experiences when they try and seek treatment. Like many right. of the reasons why there are films now about asylums of the olden days was because when those asylums existed, nobody besides the people that were institutionalized and the people that worked there got to see inside them. And that really hasn't it, right. changed. Like you ever Much, been in an right? inpatient yeah, facility? Yeah. Like unless you were the person getting admitted, you don't know what it's like in there. All we know is what's in the movies. You would like to think that we're living in a more advanced society than those horror films like Leo on an island in some movie. But like how much has changed? And right. to change it, you've got to empower the people who 
might be scary or might have a diagnosis that makes you uncomfortable, but you got to give these people a platform and give them the opportunity to talk about what in the system is broken. Continue to demand publicly and very honestly that things get better. Demand that your insurers or your workplace provides you care for mental health resources. Like, you know, we're not totally there yet, but like these companies that are trying to do, you know, like use apps and headspace and like these sorts of things, like we've got to embrace these things and normalize them within the culture because like these are the first steps and the first foundations and building blocks to like actually sort of like deinstitutionalizing what medicine is. And bring the change. You just right? got to like, just because it's not coming from somebody in a white lab coat who did four years of medical school doesn't mean that it's not real. Like people just got to wake up. We need to wake up and we are going to wake up together. David, I this want is to such a bad so high horse movement for, for me. <laughs> no, this is such an incredible episode. I'm tired. I'm um, spicy. I, there's all no, the things. I apologize David, for whoever I offended. We... I apologize for the things I didn't make any sense about. <laughs> I'm tired. I just want people to feel better. There's. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. I mean, it's just like. David, I'm, don't cry. Because I know it's what we want. No, I know. And we are going to do it. And we are going to, I'm telling you, listening to this, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And I hope that it inspires you and motivates you to make the noise, be loud, want to, and demand where is the money going? What is happening? What is going on? Everyone, write into David Haggerty. Tell uh, your congresspeople. Go Be vote. Sure. Do all the no. things. <laughs> Go vote. Do all, do all the I don't things. Know, man. We're gonna make a list of call to actions. But please, uh, one thing that you can do for all of us is um, subscribe. Share this episode with your friends. Leave a review. Get mad at me on the internet very publicly. <laughs> I will respond. Who's I have no self-control. <laughs> he has no self-control. He's really excited and he's really into this. And but at the end of the day, David, we we love you. Um and we are so happy that you are listening to this episode right now. And David, I love you. You're my emotional support. I don't know what I would do without you. And I'm just so happy that we could let out so many emotions today and um uh, be there to support each other. So uh, catch you on the flip side, huh?